As they say, ask and you shall receive. So at your request and per several nominations, Olivia Starch joins the show today. Olivia shares energetic insights from working in several different departments at the ranch. In 2013, Olivia was a ranger, 2014 mountain truck ranger, 2015 PC head of Dean, 2016 CD Whiteman Vega, 2017 and 18 she was an infirmary medical services staff member, in 2019 she was a backcountry manager, in 2020 she was to be the associate chief of medical services, and in 2021 Olivia worked in the infirmary. As a ranger, she was impressed by the full circle, lasting impact of participants who later returned to work on seasonal staff. Working in the infirmary was the kindling that helped fuel her current path as a student in medical school. And as a backcountry manager, she acknowledges the effort and energy it takes from Philmont seasonal and full-time management to make the magic happen. And in that regard, for many Philmont staff, the working hours are can till can't. Olivia worked at the ranch this past summer in 2021, and she shares that there was a ranch-wide vibe of happy anxiety as everyone was thrilled to be there and to welcome many new faces after 2020, when, of course, the ranch was not in session due to the pandemic. Lastly, Olivia is also an avid descriptive writer. She enjoys using the five senses to convey what she and many of us experience at Philmont. One of my favorite things she wrote, I I took off her Instagram account here and I will share it with you guys. There is something different about the crunch of the dirt here, something that you feel through the soles of your shoes and that mingles heavily with the sweat leaving pores. It settles, but as neither a smoldering nor a weight, and permeates every breath without a headiness or asphyxia. It is an everything, despite those who insist that it's a people, not just the place. Certainly, most keep some little piece of it when they go, but there's a rarer feeling of rejoining all the pieces that have been left there over many, many years. There's something different about the crunch of the dirt here especially when it's the closest thing that one can call home. Good evening. How are you, Olivia? <laughs> hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm really excited to chat with you today. A lot of folks have nominated you since you've worked um, in so many different departments at the ranch. Um, I'd love to hear how you got out to Philmont in the first place. You were a participant for several summers uh, at PTC and then uh, Mountain Trek in Rayado. So yeah, what's your story? So I... I, I was a fill kid, but not in the strict sense. Like in, I was only a fill kid in that I showed up when I was pretty young and then stuck around. So like I grew up in Houston, Texas, and I have a younger brother and he was involved in Cub Scouts. And my dad was you know, the pack leader for a while. And at one point my dad said, Hey, I know we've, you know, we've always gone and done this one thing over the summer. We're not going to do that this year. We're going to go to New Mexico. And I think you're going to like it. And of course we were horrified, like, oh my God, the, you know, our normal summer plans have just been 
thrown out the window and this is going to be terrible, awful, no good, very bad time. And um, then we got out to, then we got out to Philmont and it was like, oh man, like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it was really cool from the get go. And so it was just kind of in the blood from that moment on. And so that kind of became like a continued summer situation for us. That was like our new summer thing. Um, My dad would go for a week of training at the training center and he'd bring the whole family. And so we would do like the age program. So like my first year I was, that was in 2003. So I was 11 years old. And that was like the the first year of like the the Mustangs age group. Um, Went that summer, learned all of the like crazy songs that they sing on the PTC buses. And like, I have done more overnights at hunting lodge and like brick making at a Brayu than anybody could ever like want in their life. Um, because we, we went back in 2004 and 2005, which like, those are the, the three years of Mustang. So I did the same thing um, every summer. And then 2007, I went back and I did mountain trek because I was old enough. And my Rangers it was actually, I think they were both RTs at the time is what they've told me later. But my Rangers were Don Sally and Christine Salisbury. Um, and actually met you, I think, officially at Christine's wedding. But um, I can remember like, oh my God, I I left a food bag in my backpack at Cypher's Mine and Christine chewed me, which fair. <laughs> I think that was very valid. Um, but I think it was the next the next night we were staying at Cedo and like she and I were a little bit ahead of our group and we were walking back to our campsite and she goes, you know, hey, so there's this thing that you should consider doing. Um, and then it was almost like word for word. My dad said like, I, I think you should try. I think you're going to like it. It's called Rayado. You know, she told me a little bit about it and, you know, she's telling the whole group. She's like, yeah, you guys should all consider it. I think I'm the only one out of that like mountain trek group that ever came back. 2009, I came back and I did Rayado. Um, so I was 17. I did second session and it was a blast. <laughs> I think that was probably one of the last years that they allowed a four person crew to run. So there were only four of us. Um, uh, and it was, a bit of a, a bit of a mess because of that. So like there was one night where we were trying to hike down from, um, I think we started at Silly Canyon and we were trying to make it down to rich cabins. And we took a turn that our Rangers did not expect. Um, I maintained that we were not lost. My Rangers would disagree. You know, we ended up shirking our Rangers for a couple hours and they were super worried, like getting ready to call into base. Um, they were not happy with us, but there were a lot of really cool experiences. Um, that kind of paved the way for me coming back. It was like, man, like that's, that's it. This is what I want to be doing. Like, I want to, I want to be a ranger. And it took a couple years to make that happen. At the time I finished high school in Canada. And so my graduation date and like when we would finish class was super late, like end of, end of June almost. And so, you know, I applied in 2010 and my dates were terrible. I applied in 2011 and never really got a reason, but I just wasn't hired. Um, and then 2012, I was hired as a ranger and then got a phone call from the summer camp that I'd worked at. And they said, Hey, we don't have anybody to replace you. Would you mind coming back one more time? So I was hired in 12, but didn't come back. And then 2013, I started as a ranger and didn't leave for a very long time. Yeah. Never looked back. What were you doing in Canada? Just can I ask? My dad was in the petroleum industry his whole life. So around the time that I was, I think it was my sophomore year of high school, um, he worked for ExxonMobil and they are the parent company of Imperial Oil in Canada. And so he just got moved to the the Calgary office, which was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So you spent a few, a few years up there? Yeah, I was, 
I was up there for about two. So like junior and senior year of high school. And then actually I came back to the States for college, but um, okay. my, my family was up there for seven years, I think. So very yeah. cool. So you, you wanted to be a ranger and that was what you did your first summer uh, and then mountain trek ranger. What, what was your ranger experience or what were some highlights there? Honestly, I think, I think what I really enjoyed most about rangering was the people that I met. Um, I had some really outstanding crews. Um, I had a crew from South Carolina that lives like across the street and like a couple blocks up from my grandmother, which is pretty wild. Um, yeah, yeah. Like super small world. Um, I also had some, like some not so, well, I would say like one not so great crew. This is like probably a little bit TMI, but like I had, I had farted in front of the crew and I got super embarrassed about it. And so they took that and they ran with it. Um, and so there was a, a line on there saying Olivia, our ranger farted in front of the crew and it was awesome in all caps. And that made it into my employee file my very first year. Oh my god! I was like, great. I am never coming back ever. Oh, man. They are totally going to DNR me. Um, And they didn't. They didn't. I came back. I did Mountain Trek and that was great. Um, (laughs) But yeah, a lot of it was the people. And like the coolest part was thinking back over the years. And I was talking to Eric Martinez about this. One of the summers that we were both down at the ranch. Like when you you sit down and you kind of count out the number of your participants that have come back. It's kind of scary when you've been there for a long time. <laughs> uh, Cause that number gets big really fast, especially if you were ever a ranger. So I, I actually had a lot of like my kids, so to speak, come back and work on staff at different departments, which has been pretty cool. Yeah. I love that. I always was always very proud when any of my PCs would become CDs, you know, and I called them my kids. You did transition into the backcountry. You were a PC at Hedadine and a CD at Whiteman Vega. Yeah. What was that transition like? I kind of, I, it wasn't a full decision on my part. So 2015, I was not supposed to come back at risk of like unpacking it, like a huge chapter of my life. That was the year that I graduated from undergrad. And so I was supposed to be going on a cross country nonprofit cycling trip from Austin, Texas to Anchorage, Alaska. Um, a, a long ride. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it was with a nonprofit through the university that I went to. And um, we actually biked through Philmont. And, you know, so that was the first summer in a long time that I hadn't been back to Philmont. And I ended up leaving the ride for some pretty personal reasons, like we're actually right around the time of the flood. So I think July 2nd might have been when I showed up at the ranch. And I had, I had just called down, I had given Eric a shout and I was like, hey, like, my plans have changed. I need a job. And he goes, call Chris Sawyer. And he gave me his number. Chris goes, I got something for you. Don't know exactly what it is yet, but, <laughs> but when can you be here? And at that time I knew that like Leela Puckett was working at Carson Meadows and she was just, I think she had just lost a PC. And so I was like, oh, sweet. I'm going to get, um, you know, I'm going to get to go work for Leela. Yeah. Um, so like got my, my college roommate to like help pack up some of my stuff and like ship my, my trunk out. And like, I met the trunk. Um, and then the trunk got on a truck that was going to Carson Meadows. Cause I had, you know, kind of predicted my future. And then I got on a truck that was going to head of Dean. Um, and so we had to go, we had to go find my stuff. Um, that was a little embarrassing, but yeah. So I, I just kind of got placed somewhere. Um, head of Dean had also just lost the PC, I think a week or two before, a few of their staff members I knew from the ranger department or just from like previous years. And they had told uh, Sam Shovars who worked in the camp at that point, like, Hey, you're getting a tent mate. It's an 18 year old trail hire named Richard. So, <laughs> so, so that was, 
my nickname for part of the summer because you know <laughs> I showed up, I get out of the truck and I hide. Like they had enough time to tell me like, hey, like this is Sam thinks it's you know some young kid who's fresh out of high school, and I can you know I'm hiding and I look through the windows. I can see Sam striding up and he like he just doesn't look happy. Like you know you can tell he's trying to hold it together, but he just. Uh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and then I popped out from behind the truck, and I was like, "Oh, hey, <laughs> it's me." Um, so yeah, it, it really was not a choice, but it was, it was absolutely, I think, what I needed that summer. I would argue on a lot of levels, it was probably what that staff needed that summer because some of the stuff that I had gone through on that cycling trip really shaped the way that I responded to difficult conversations and problem solving and like some pretty tough lessons um, kind of in the first chunk of the summer before I got back to Philmont kind of set me up to like sit down with some of my new coworkers and be like, Hey, like this is not going to work. <laughs> like, right. This is not a great way for us to communicate. And like things are being assumed and misunderstood. Um, but honestly, like that was a, a huge summer for all of us. And those are to date, probably some of the closest friends I've made at Philmont, if not some, of, I would say like some of the most likely, because again, I didn't intend to be in the backcountry department. And some of the people that like I met that summer, I, I don't know if I would have ever like spent that amount of time with them and like gotten to know them so well, if I hadn't just been, you know, dropped off in the North country, like right before that CD meeting. Yeah. So yeah, kind of like the stars aligned and fate put you there and for them and for you. And like you said, there's some of your, your closest people out there. So, and that's yeah. just such a beautiful camp up there too. So Carson Meadows would have been just as lovely, but yeah. yeah. So head of Dean got a lot of, we were on the North Cav route that summer. So we saw a lot of um, Yvonne who she was like the lead cav for like that section of the ranch. And then depending on like which rotation the Wranglers were on, like we got kind of a different second every time, but um so Yvonne, and then uh, that particular week, it was Tim, big dude with an excellent mustache. And we were sitting around the dinner table in the cabin and we we're like, you know what? Like we should go prank Miranda. <laughs> like, like they're right there. We should, we should do it. Like just literally one of those terrible ideas that comes out of nowhere. And you're kind of like, well, what, what would we even do? Um, but then it's, you know, the wheel started rolling. And so we started talking about like, well, like we don't want to do anything you know, we don't want to do anything that's going to get us in like major trouble. So like nothing that's going to damage anything. Like we're going to leave the program equipment out of it. Nothing, you know, nothing that can't be undone easily. And because we had the cat wranglers, I turned to Yvonne at one point and I was like, you know, what would be super fun if we rode horses down there. <laughs> so like, that, I mean, it starts to sound like something that's out of like old Philmont. Like when you'd hear about like, you know, Clear Creek, ending up with like a wrangler or something and like taking a horse somewhere else. But um, yeah, yeah. Like showing up, showing up at crooked and like, you know, stealing a goat or something like that. Right. But, um, so it's like the three of us ride down, like it is, it is 11 o'clock at night, like pushing midnight. And we get to like kind of this overlook where you can see the Miranda meadow, like on the trail down from head of Dean, like it's the three of us on horses. Um, super cool. And then we, we hear the radio chirp and we're like, Oh, what was that? Like nobody should be up. And then we realized like, Oh, that's unit two. That's Mark is still at Miranda. And then we see like, like the headlights pull out and it was like, oh, okay. So that was probably him 10, 10, eighting. Perfect. Like we're, we're in good shape. Um, it's, it's going to be like another hour before we get there anyway. Cause you know, horses seem easier, but they tend to walk a little bit slower. They're very 
unhurried creatures. Um, <laughs> so it's like midnight. We, uh, we rode over the bottom of the meadow and stopped at the teepee and Tim got off. We like, he held all the horses and Yvonne and I went up to the cabin and we, we started in the trade tent, which like we said, we were, we were going to leave all of the program equipment out of it, but we, all we're going to do is rearrange it. Like that's, that's reversible. Um, so we like moved all the stuff out of the trade tent and um, somebody that I worked with at head of Dean, one of the other PCs had this like little, it's kind of gross, but like a little like fake turd, like a little plastic. Oh, yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uncomfortably realistic but right so we like took everything off the table uh in the trade tent and like built a house of cards and like spelled out some stuff with like just little trinkets and gadgets they had lying around i don't remember what we put like red rum or something stupid but like and then we like (laughs) cleared the the trade table and just like put this little turd like right in the middle of it um (laughs) and we um we had taken down for some reason head of dean that year had like God, we had like nine or 10 fly swatters, like just an, an obscene amount of fly swatters. So we like fly swattered their, like their front yard, um, right in front of the cabin, like wedged Cute. them. Yeah. Um, and then we saran wrapped the staff red roof, um, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty thoroughly too. Like, I mean, like, obviously you just kind of go at it with a knife. Cause again, it was like reversible, but it was like, this is going to catch whoever wakes up and has to pee. Right. Or whatever. <laughs> like it's, it's going to catch them off guard. And like, huh, there's a lot of saran wrap on there. Like the big industrial roll. That they yeah. The huge there. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had ridden down there with all that. And then what we found out later um, <laughs> was that the reason Mark had been there was because ACA was going on. So like the American camp accreditation. And so he was prepping Miranda for their, ACA inspection the next morning. So Mark shows up and there's like a fake turd in the trade tent. <laughs> there's fly swatters everywhere. And he's got the inspectors in the back of his truck. Um, oh no. <laughs> and what Austin St. George was the camp director that summer. And what we were told later is that like Mark played it off like a champion. And he was like, you know, oh, like, yeah, I heard you had some, you know, those advisors that you mentioned last night who are a little, you know, a little rowdy, like played it off as like a prank on, the staff by participants. Sure. That was good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, That was when he was talking about pranks at Christine's wedding. Like that was the one that I had wanted to share. Like, Oh yeah, you've had goats in your suburban. Do you remember this one thing that happened at Miranda? Cause like, (laughs) yeah, that That was was me. me. Um, (laughs) um, Philmont is still accredited. So we didn't do anything that was irreversible, (laughs) but um, that's a good one. we, we were told that the saran wrap on the red roof was very frustrating. Fair enough. As, as it was <laughs> intended to be <laughs> Right, a, a moment of desperation. And somebody's like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that is uh, <laughs> yeah, a good prank. And then you, you hung out in the backcountry for another summer as the CD at Whiteman Vega. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, so I'm, I'm in medical school now and you know, that's a, a big commitment. There's a lot of, um, a lot of money, a lot of debt. Um, but like, you know, there's a lot of time and effort and like tears and anxiety. And it's just this huge process to get into med school and to dedicate your life to a career like that. And I still tell all of my classmates here that I have already peaked 
And I've worked the best job that I'm ever going to have because I got paid to live in a yurt on a national forest and teach mountain biking one summer. And it, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't get better than that. Like even what I'm planning to do with the whole rest of my life and something that I'm really passionate about, that doesn't beat Whiteman. Like Whiteman, <laughs> Whiteman was pretty cool. There are a lot of good memories from that summer. I have like my PCs were outstanding and like the crews we met and the job and just everything was incredible. If you have never cooked with a solar oven, they now they have like full on appliances and everything. And it's, you know, they're a little, a little more pampered. Um, <laughs> but we used to like, we used to, we used to solar oven quite a lot. We actually, we figured out how to make a uh, macaron in it one time. So I had like two folks from the ranger department, two friends from when I was a ranger come up um, and they brought like the almond flour and, we made these very finicky little French cookies in a solar oven in the middle of the meadow. <laughs> and they turned yeah. out great. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. So you moved into the infirmary role, uh, medical services slash driver. You did that for two summers. Do you feel yeah. like that was like your start of wanting to pursue a medical career or, or did you have a passion for it beforehand? I don't know if it was like the start, start. The way I phrased it, when I was applying to medical school, because I wrote about Philmont in like the personal statement, I talked about it in every freaking interview, because uh, what else do you do? Like the way I would phrase it is that like, there was a spark before that, but Philmont was absolutely the kindling. So I think, you know, I'd been kind of interested in some wilderness medicine stuff. I did the woofer course, my second year as a ranger, and like, it was a ton of fun and I really enjoyed learning. And it was, it was cool to just kind of do like this hands-on medical stuff. I just kind of held on to that. Like I renewed my woofer in 2016, which was a great idea at Whiteman. Um, and then that fall, after I got home from the ranch in 2016, I was actually in a cycling accident, which makes it sound like something happened to me when in reality, I just, I was a dingus and I used my front brake and I like launched myself over the handlebars and there was literally nobody else around. Like it was not not my finest moment. Um, it was just, it was just the wrong hand on the brake and then like some gravel and a speed bump. So like I panicked and flipped over my handlebars. Um, I broke my jaw, my hand and my elbow. So I, yeah, I still have a, a fair amount of hardware, like maybe only like half an ACE store at this point, but, um, it, it was more when, when it first happened. But, um, when I was in the hospital overnight, you know, I was really irritated. The nurses are like, Oh, like, how are you feeling? And like, you know, just kind of like very sweet people, but just, I don't know, kind of, they were kind of like the token, like bleeding heart stereotype, like, oh, you poor thing. And it was like, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Just leave the room. Like, please, please don't do that. Um, and then shift change rolled around at, you know, whatever time. And I end up with this like big burly dude and I am completely blanking on his name, but like wearing black scrubs, red fanny pack, big old black beard. And he comes in, he's like, you look like you want to go on a walk. Like, let's, let's get you out. Like <laughs> you look like you're about to lose it basically. Cause you've been sitting in this bed and people have just been like, kind of like, Oh, they're there. So he, like, he got me up, took me on a walk and just kind of like that low, low BS, like chill male nurse. Like I was like, Oh man, like that's, that's what I could do. Like, this is actually kind of cool learning like the ins and outs. And he was talking to me about his job. And, and that's when I switched to the infirmary that summer in the infirmary was hugely, hugely pivotal. I feel like there's a few departments at Philmont where there's sort of this like allure or mystery or, you know, like for instance, you know, like 
the ranch department or the Wranglers because they're just like kind of this like close knit little community because they need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Health Lodge is sort of one of those because it's so different from the rest of the departments, but also so ingrained and so essential. So what what was the culture of the infirmary like compared to Ranger, compared to backcountry? What, what was that like? Yeah. When I was in the Ranger department, there was a big emphasis on like, be helpful, like ask what you can be doing, ask how you can help out, um, look for something to do, keep like kind of, it, it kind of falls under like the cons umbrella, like always be knowing, like cleaning up and, and I'd say like backcountry is the same way, but there's also, there's more downtime. Rangers, it's like you pick up a crew and you are on for the next three days and there is not a single time that you are off unless you're like watering a rock or something like, and even then, like, <laughs> like so I would say like Ranger probably aligns a little bit better with the infirmary, just in terms of like kind of the idea of you should, you should constantly be finding something to do, like not driving yourself nuts or like kind of being chaotic energy around the infirmary, but like, you know, you, you just want to be prepared. And so that means like keeping your stuff together and making sure that things are cleaned and gassed and ready to go and making sure that your pack is good, um, helping your friends do the same. Um, so it's, I mean, it is a small staff. So I think all in all, like with recheck and you think about the number of volunteering physicians and nurses and the med students who rotate through and then the infirmary like services staff, um, which I think they used to just be called drivers. Like I, I want to say there's the number I feel like I heard once was 70, mm-hmm. but it like, it's a very small staff. And because the, like the driver role is so small like that, I think there's 12 to 15 in any given summer, like counting from like Nate all the way down to like, you know, like 115 or 116, whatever they get to those, those are the people that you're working at 12 or 24 hours. So you're on at 7am off at 7pm, maybe like you you could also still be out on a call or you're on a 24 hour and it's a little, it's a little more insulated, but you get to know your coworkers really, really well. And some of it comes with like, kind of the, as weird as it sounds like the nature of HIPAA, like there are certain patient care things that you cannot and should not talk about. Absolutely. Um, Like that was something that I know other, other folks who have switched into the infirmary from other departments, like you keep your friends in those other departments really hard to not tell them about the cool thing you got to do that day. Or like this totally weird thing that happened to this one patient, because like that, that could violate confidentiality. So when it's a little bit safer to talk with kind of like that core group of people that like you're working 24 hours with, you are like living in the med dorm with, you're eating your meals with them because like those are the people who understand why you are inhaling your food, <laughs> trying to like go relieve the next people so that they can go eat. Um, but you get, you get really close with, with that staff. And I think some of it is the size and a lot of it has to do with like just kind of the nature of the work. Like you said, oh. make Philmont work for you. Do you feel like it worked for you? Yes. I think it, t- it took a little bit of time um, because I, again, I went from being a camp director. So like a leadership position where I had a lot of autonomy to I would say like not any like low level position by any means, like it, you require a fair amount of skill and like know-how and also an ability to learn to work in the infirmary. Um, but I went from a position where I had a lot of autonomy really was kind of on top of it to a position where I was at least in the early summer, I felt like I was being micromanaged a little bit. And like some of that I'm realizing is just the different personalities that I had. Um, 
I'll text Bridget Hogan every now and again. And it's like, Hey, like, thank you. <laughs> like that was the most formative year of my life. Um, and she, in my opinion, she did not micromanage. Um, but it, it took a little bit of an, an adjustment period. And then by the end of the summer, it was definitely like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm interested in. I really like thinking on my feet and like kind of being ready for anything, even if like, it sounds like that anything could be really bad. And then you get out there and it's like, uh, like they kind of tweaked their ankle a little bit, like may not be so bad. In all of your time at the ranch, who, who was a, like a big mentor to you? Someone who really inspired you. I'm sure there's like, you know, hundreds or at least a handful, (laughs) but is there someone who really comes to mind? I'd say like a big two that I asked for advice very frequently. And I, I mean, I still do. And I'm, I'm still really close with both of them, but, um, my Abrey auto rangers. So Heidi Johnson and then Caroline Davis. Um, I, I still refer to them as mom and dad. And I have these moments where I'll, I'll go to text one and I'm confused when the right name doesn't come up when I type mom into my phone. Um, <laughs> but they're, they've been like constant, constant sources of support for me since 2009. Um, so definitely them. And then Caroline worked in the backcountry as well. So she like, she gave some good advice. Sean Murphy, I, he and I are very different in some ways, but like when it comes to just getting stuff done and giving really good, practical, pragmatic advice, like he is bar none, one of, one of the best. Um, and then Leela, who I knew her as Leela Puckett, and now she is Leela Murphy. Um, she has also been like an outstanding sounding board. She is really good at like kind of affirming me in the moments when I have struggled with what we're doing for work or, you know, things that I'm dealing with and I'm not entirely sure what the right move is. Like she's, she's really good as far as a gut check. Since you did work in a lot of different departments, did one of the departments have really fun traditions or legacies compared to the other? The Ranger Marathon is the really common one. Um, Mm -hmm. And I did that twice. Like I I did super black a couple years later. That one I would say is preferable. That one's very pretty. Mm -hmm. It's also shorter. Yeah. (laughs) Um, there were some some pranks involved in the backcountry time. Um, mm-hmm. Also at, at Christine's wedding, I remember like sitting with Mark Anderson. He was telling us about like having goats in the back of his suburban. And I think for like for the infirmary, the one that the, like the biggest one that comes to mind, which we actually never had in 2017, um, we were told like, "Hey, you need to get out to Russell's and pick up a box of cake mix." And it's like, "What?" And it's if somebody goes out on a like a carry or a sar, it's a sar cake. You bake a cake for the team that's going to be coming back in. And it's kind of like this nice, like, Hey, welcome back. Good job. You made it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had like, I want to say like six boxes of cake mix in the infirmary, like dorm. And we never had to use one that one. And that, and the, I would say the burrito jar. So like, yeah, you mess something up. You forget to put something back in a pack, you know, small, small mistakes. You don't gas up the car when you get back um, and you leave it for the next person. Like that's, you know, you put a couple bucks in the burrito jar and that kind of builds up this fun to go to burrito banquet. Food equals morale in the infirmary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fuel. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a position you would like something you'd still love to do if you could go back? I think I would like to work at Cypher's or French, one of the mining camps, just because that would be something different. I I never worked in Terp. I think it would be a ton of fun. Yeah. Um. My dad is a geologist. He actually came out as a visiting geologist in 2019. So like, that's what I grew up around is like, oh, rocks. Like, you know, 2003, we're driving down Cimarron Canyon. Oh, the Palisades. And, you know, talking about what sort of formation they are. 
Like, I think so. I think that kind of got in the blood a little bit. What was the most challenging thing for you at the ranch? A really valuable lesson or an experience that gave you a new perspective on something? I know like no small part of it was definitely like how to be a good friend, um, which also translates into like how, you know, how to be a good leader or a good supervisor or whatever. Cause a lot of it comes down to communication. And so Philmont and especially across different departments, you know, some positions I held were like more participant facing, like, ranger or backcountry and then like a little bit less participant facing infirmary and then like really rarely participant facing when I was a BCM. But you learn to communicate with different people from all over who come from different backgrounds and have different opinions and different like just ways of functioning kind of on the whole. And that's that is a huge, huge, huge skill. I, I think when you stay at Philmont for multiple seasons, the way somebody put it to me once is that like kind of the shine and the magic wears off a little bit. Um, and you kind of start to see how on some levels, like, especially as you work your way up into like seasonal management, like you, you start to realize like, wow, I, like I, as a BCM, I am like holding it together. Like the camps are crushing it and David and at that time, Keith were doing their thing. Like, and I am desperately hanging on to the two and trying to like, make sure everything fires, but you realize like kind of how spread thin people can be higher up. And how much effort and energy it can take to kind of like continue to to make it the wonderful experience for everybody that it that it should be. Sticking around a long time, you also start to see some of like like the underbelly of like year-round operations and some more of like how like Philmont kind of interfaces and interacts and you know is is beholden to the national office because they are part of the Boy Scouts. Um, if you stick around long enough, you start realizing like it. It, it becomes a lot harder to kind of idealize your time at Philmont is like, oh, like it was this magical place where there was, you know, no BS and everything was like clear cut and my supervisors were great. And like that can be true. Like you can have really great supervisors, but there's still when you work your way up, you realize that Philmont and the Boy Scouts have the same red tape and complications and HR policies, even like it. It, it's just like any other job in some ways. And so I think that's what it is. It's like the shine wears off and it's not that it becomes a bad thing. It's just, you realize that Philmont and the Boy Scouts are, it's just another job and it's just another company in some ways, which is weird to say, like kind of leaves it a little bit of a, a weird taste in my mouth to, to think about that. But I mean, it's, it's true on some levels. So even just working one winter and one fall season, like you said, seeing the behind the scenes stuff and seeing how many hats everybody wears. I mean, it is, crazy how much those uh you know full-time and even even the town of Cimarron like there's just so much effort going on out there like you said to make those wilderness adventures that last a lifetime what was it like for you being a BCM that was probably my I was a BCM for one summer and it was probably my most challenging summer for me um and you said earlier that you sort of fell into that role what was that like for you I had, I had intended to work in the infirmary again in 2019. And I think after 2018, I remember hearing kind of through the grapevine, like, oh, all four of the BCMs are leaving. And it was like, ooh, fascinating. Um, <laughs> that's that's going to be an adventure. Um, I remember talking to Sasha Bierman about it, like kind of through the end of 2018. And she was like, you know, if, if you're interested, like I'll put it on your your recommendation. I was like, you know what, let's just put it on. I'll throw my name in the ring. And if they don't want me, my feelings are not hurt at all because I am totally stoked to go back to the infirmary. Um, 
like you think about, it's really easy to get the imposter syndrome when you think about prior to that, I had one summer as a camp director at a very small camp, then a half summer, like maybe not even a half summer at head of Dean. And so it was kind of like, are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure there's not anybody better? And so that like kind of weighed on me a little bit. And I think I, I think I carried some of that into the job because I so desperately wanted to do well. And that was, that was one of the situations where like Sean, Sean's advice came in really handy because he was like, your job is basically to go to bat for your CDs, like whatever it takes that, that is for you to make it happen. Being a BCM was a lot of fun. I, I did not love being in a truck all day. Like it's fun to drive in the backcountry, but um, I, I really miss like hiking and kind of being active as unhealthy as it was. Like I kind of fell into the philosophy of like your working hours are like can till can't get up, go to the meeting, go on like my route for the day, whatever it was. And it was like, I finished that when I finished that. I'm not, usually I'm not gunning to be back in, in base by a certain time. The day is over when work is finished kind of thing. And I was always really reluctant to like zip through a camp and make them feel like they hadn't been heard or hadn't had time spent with them. And that like, cause like I know camps, like the example that comes to mind is like Bobian and PJ because of where they are on that route like kind of on the South country loop, it's really easy for like, they get tons of vehicles every day, but depending on who those vehicles are, they may not get a whole lot of time with those people. And so like when that's, when that's your BCM and like, you need support, um, like you, you, you wanted to be there to, to kind of help them out and not just zip through. So it was, I mean, it was a, an incredibly gratifying job. It was definitely I would say one of the harder ones. And I kind of, I found my limits of like what I could kind of do day after day, which in some ways I am sure has prepared me really well for like what's coming down the pipe with med school and residency and all of that. I think it's really good of you to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and, and take, take on that role when you could have stayed in the infirmary. But like you said, it is, it's a lot of driving around and working for not only your camp directors, but for all the other departments who might call you for an, you know, a health lodge or an infirmary pickup or, you know, <laughs> okay. some so-and-so needs new boots or whatever. So right. yeah, there's a lot of working parts. It was weird because like I, I missed it in some ways, but also I think the infirmary gave me enough of a different break from that because like you think about it, the infirmary, most of the people that you are interacting with as far as participants go are not 100% enjoying their time at Philmont. It is very different from like being a ranger and like being there for the first three days when everybody is just like thrilled um, and like ready to go. Um, and then in the infirmary, you see people like, oh, this, this dude just broke his ankle. Like he's, he's having a legitimately no good, very bad day. And that was, I would say one of the harder things about working in the infirmary, but I think it also in some ways like made me a little bit more comfortable with having less participant interaction as a BCM. Do you know yet what type of medicine you want to practice? I would say the list of what I don't want to do is definitely the easier one to define. Um, okay, yeah. But at this point, I'm still, I'm still kind of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. I, I thought for a long time that I wanted to do emergency medicine. Um, it's definitely something that I want to feel out a little bit more before I commit. And I think Philmont has a lot to do with that. And what I considered from there was, you know, okay, if I can't do emergency medicine, like maybe something like surgery. Yeah. Humans are very complex puzzles, basically. Oh, man. Yeah. So 
And in 2020, you were supposed to return as the Associate Chief of Medical Staff Services. Is that right? Yeah. So, and a lot of people are like, what is that? Like, were you going to have Nate's job? It's like, absolutely not. Um, (laughs) I know. So that was like, for clarification, that was TOEF's role for a long time. So when people ask like, oh, what job is that? I was like, I'm going to be TOEF or I'm going to be Bridget or I'm going to be Stasha. And they were like, Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's what I was supposed to do in 2020. Um, and that was going to be my last summer before starting medical school. And then uh, COVID started kind of getting a little bit weird. Um, I had already accepted my job and I was actually meeting with the infirmary task force. They were kind of trying to create an action plan for COVID. And so like I was, I started working for Philmont probably March, April, because that was when we started realizing like, Hey, this pandemic thing is looking a little bit weird. Um, yeah. And we need to start figuring out if we can open, what is that going to look like? Ultimately, we we didn't open, but I still I still claim that job a little bit <laughs> since I, I did some of the work. Sure. You were there this summer. Yeah, I, I went back and I volunteered this summer for like two weeks and change. Was it yeah. what was the vibe like this summer? Was there was it any different kind of coming back from COVID? Ranch wide, you could tell that people were thrilled to be back. Um and there were a lot of new faces like that. This summer was hands down like the oldest I have ever, I have ever felt at Philmont because like I didn't recognize anyone. You know, it's kind of like the Taos hum, like kind of this underlying like energy of like, huh, like we're going to do it. Um, like there's going to be crews. And there was also, I think, a lot of like happy anxiety with that. Like, there again, there were a lot of new people. Um, I was talking to Kyle Knoll and he was telling me, he's like, when you take ranger leadership out of the equation, like over 90% of the ranger department was new, like ranch wide. I think it was on average about 60%. But when you looked at certain departments like that, there was huge turnover. And so the infirmary was one of those situations. So they have this hugely competent staff. Like they had one was in paramedic school. They had at least one paramedic, like really competent people, a bunch of which are also getting ready to go to med school or have just started. But it, at the same time, it's people who know nothing about Philmont and like what the roads are like and what are things that you can and can't get away with as far as like big decisions. Like, am I going to carry a patient out of this area? There are certain things when you know how some of the trails are and like, where's the best place to leave the suburban, like that changes the decision making pretty substantially. And I think probably the infirmary was not alone this summer in that they had kind of a little bit of a lack of experience in that part where like those decisions did not get made quickly, easily hindsight being what it was, but people were also very enthusiastic to learn. And I think that is what made this whole summer work. One of the things I love about Philmont is just kind of like fail forward mentality, you know, of like, (laughs) even if we're, you know, not a hundred percent, you know, we're going to get as close as we can and learn from it. So definitely, you know, a monumental summer for sure. So I, yeah. I wish I could have been out there uh, in some capacity. I, I will say you didn't miss a whole lot as far as the bugs go. Like normally not too buggy this summer, very wet. And the mosquitoes were awful. Weird. Oh, I've so, no, I yeah. don't like recall mosquitoes even existing at Philmont in my memory. Right. right. Like certain camps, maybe if there was like a water source nearby. Yeah. No, they were oh. bad. Dang. I noticed on Instagram that you're really eloquent with words. So I was a liberal arts student, original bachelor's degrees before I decided to go like super nerd and go to medical school. Um, I majored in anthropology and journalism. 
Okay. Which I joke is double unemployable, but um, like I've, I've made a few of my own podcasts and like, I, I enjoyed the writing part of it the most. And I think like the Instagram stuff kind of came up when I, I read desert solitaire. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that is like one of the most vibrant descriptive and just like place setting books, I think that I've read in a very long time. Um, and yeah. so that kind of inspired me a little bit. It's like, I, I want to make people feel like they're there and not just like, Oh, like, Oh yeah. I can remember the one time that I went to the grand Canyon and all the rocks are red. Like, no, it's like, it's the way it like the wind feels and it's the sounds you hear and it's the way it smells. And like that, it's like the full sensory experience. Like when you build that out, that's, that's what I'm really interested in. I do like writing. I have had to force myself to spend less time writing and Instagramming because <laughs> uh, of med school, but I, I do still really enjoy it. And like mid hike, if I like stop walking and like pull out my phone and it looks like I'm texting, I'm probably not. I probably had like some little blurb come to mind and I just, I want to write it down so I don't lose it. Yeah. Um, Cause then I might want to use it later. I'm glad that you stop and, and write it down and share it with us because <laughs> it's, it's and- lovely. It's lovely stuff. Things that I am utterly not qualified to do ever, but probably would really enjoy. And this might actually double as like one of my like nominations for a future podcast. I think cabin restoration is so freaking cool. <laughs> so Pete Burgundy, who was the seasonal foreman for a couple of years, and then he also took a, a full-time position with Philmont that was like created for him to work on some of the historical structures. Like he and his team like deconstructed one of the cabins at fish camp. And he posted a lot of that process on his Instagram. If you know, Pete, you know that he is very pragmatic and to the point and it is very clear cut. And on some levels you can tell that like he is kind of accustomed to like educating people about what he does and having to explain himself very clearly because the descriptions for every step of that process are like crystal clear. And it's, it, it was just like really cool to kind of see that project unfold. Is there anybody else you'd want to nominate? I was gonna say, I think the Anderson sisters would be a ton of fun because they grew, like grew up at Philmont, um, Carrie and Kristen. Um, yeah. Another like two for one that would be a lot of fun actually would be Nate Lay and Toph White. Closing with advice, y- like you'll, you'll find a way to go back to Philmont. If, if you want to make it happen, you will find a way. Philmont is not something, I mean, it's, it really isn't something that you can do forever. Um, and I would venture to say in a lot of, and for a lot of people, like it's probably not something that you want to do forever. Like whether you realize that at the time or not, it's not, there are bigger and better things out there and Philmont is incredible. And I, I am a firm believer that like, as long as you want to go back, like you should, you know, find some way to make it happen, whether it's on a trek or like PSA trek, something like that. But like you, you have a very limited period of your life where you can make things like that work. And Um, so I'm a big proponent of, if you get the chance, like take it, but in the same breath, like if you get the chance to do something bigger and better that like Philmont has prepared you for, like take that leap. Holy cow. Like just make the jump, do something cool, live, like live a rich and spicy life. Like you don't want to kind of reach the end and realize like, Oh, wow. I did a lot of the same stuff over and over again. And like Philmont is one of those things that it, you'll get a different experience so long as you put something different into it, but you can also very much use that as the springboard into other experiences that like will make your life very, very, very colorful. Mm-hmm.